What's going on, everybody? This is Bleacher Talk, Episode 1. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm here to talk about baseball. Uh, for this episode, we're going to talk about the trades, free agent signings of this past offseason, any impact prospects I think are going to make a debut this year, uh, and what teams help themselves the most to position, uh, help themselves to compete for a World Series this year. Also talk about uh, a trade I think needed to happen and that could benefit both teams, actually. And also in the future episodes, we're going to talk about power rankings, uh, who's hot, who's cold for the week, any major injuries, any major trades. And then if a prospect does get called up, we're going to take an in-depth look in what they could provide for the team. And uh, if they are a uh, future all-star MVP, my predictions for that player. So starting out, I want to talk about the Trevor Bauer free agent signing to the Dodgers. Trevor Bauer signed a three-year deal. He's going to be the highest average paid player in the MLB, but he's got opt-outs after the first two years, which means if he wants, he can just go right back into free agency. But I don't see how someone can just pass up $40 million guaranteed money. So I think he's just going to stay to the Dodgers throughout the three years in his contract. I mean, the Dodgers went all out. They're trying to go back-to-back -back here. I don't blame him. Go out, get Trevor Bauer. That rotation is deadly now, and we're going to talk about that in the future. Nolan Arenado getting traded from the Rockies to the Cardinals. Now, I don't understand what the Rockies were doing here. I know they said Arenado wanted to opt out at the end of the year. But I think they should have held him to the trade deadline. Only because his shoulder injury was the problem that some teams didn't think he could stay healthy. So I think hold him to the deadline. You could have still got the same haul. You could have got uh, four prospects back. They're mid-tier prospects anyways. But if his shoulder stayed healthy... I really feel like his value would increase. Maybe a team goes out and gives you their, one of their top prospects uh, because they're trying to win a World Series. I mean, he's going on uh, about 30 years old, so I see why they wanted to get rid of him. They thought he was going to opt out, but I really feel like the return they could have gotten for him uh, could have been a little more. Uh, one free agent signing I really like, and I think it was the perfect fit, was uh, Marcelo Zuna to the Braves. Why? Because uh, he's going to be protected in that lineup. Ronald Cunha and Freddie Freeman are going to protect him. He should be able to see fastballs, and uh, he hits the fastball very well. Uh, he's not a plus-plus defender, as we would say. But I think that outfield, if they do call uh, Christian Pache up, he is an elite defender. So I think if they do let Pache start, uh, he can cover enough ground that Zuna should be okay in the outfield. So I think that was a perfect team fit. I mean, the AL, he could have DH, but I just think the Braves could not have worked better for him. I really like the Braves team going into the next season and for the years to come. But uh, one trade that kind of concerned me is the Angels getting Dexter Fowler from the Cardinals. The Cardinals paying him most of his contract, so the Angels only have to pay about $1.5 million to him. But all that means is Joe Adele starting the minors. They pretty much lost a lot of faith in him. He was striking out too much. There's actually a stat. He was the actual worst hitter in the MLB last season. Uh, he just needs time to develop, I guess. He was striking out too much, not making enough contact. I'm, I'm hoping he gets called up. I'm hoping he figures it out because he's got elite tools. He's fast. He can play defense. He can hit. He can hit for co uh, power, contact. He's got an arm. I really was excited to see him and Mike Trout roaming around in that outfield, but I guess we're just going to have to wait a little longer. I'm still high on him because every time they called him up to a, a different level, he would struggle, so he'd get called double-A struggle. Figured out, get called triple A struggle, figured out. I won't be, and I was going back down to triple A. I really think he can figure it out, and I really hope we get to see him figure it out. Uh, the race signing Chris Archer, 
Uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, remember when they ripped the Pirates off and got Austin Meadows and Tyler Glasnow for him? I mean, now he comes all the way back home and they get Meadows and Glasnow. I mean, he's not what he used to be, but he's definitely a MLB pitcher, I would say, back of the rotation. The Rays know how to use him. Uh, usually they use an opener. Maybe he'll come in after the opener. Usually they know how to get the best out of their pitchers. So I'm actually not surprised he went back there. They're familiar with him. Um, the Indians... I mean, we always make fun of the Indians for not spending enough money. I mean, look at the Padres. They went all out trying to make their team better. The Indians decided, hey, we're not going to pay Frankie. What we're going to do is take uh, Eddie Rosario, pay one year, $8 million. He's 29. He's going to hit about 20 to 25 home runs. He's going to automatically be our best outfield hitter. Before he's even stepped foot in that lineup or on progressive field, he's automatically the Indians' best player in that outfield. Uh, we're just going to consider Framo Reyes the DH just for the trade. So the Indians also traded Frankie Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets. Everybody knows this. Uh, it was breaking news a while ago. They got an infielder Med Rosario, uh, an infielder Andreas uh, Jimenez, and then two right-hand pitchers, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. Now Isaiah Green and Josh Wolf were both top 10 prospects in the Mets far uh, farm system. Which means they were not top 10 prospects in all of MLB. But for the Mets farm system, they were top 10 prospects. The Indians also got uh, Andreas Jimenez. He is only 22. Um, he has a chance, I think, to be a, a nice pickup. Because he hit 292 against fastballs, which is very good. But he only hit 139 against breaking balls. So I do think he needs more time to figure it out. But if he can get that average up against breaking balls, I think he can solidify himself in the lineup about... Seven, eight, or nine hitter, but I feel like he has the chance to be an everyday big le big leaguer for the Indians in the future. And then uh, Rosario is gonna hit, you know, two fifty. I mean, he hit two fifty two with four home runs last year in the shortened season, so maybe you see about ten home runs out of him. But he's gonna be consistent. I mean, the Indians needed a shortstop. All this does to me is make me think they're gonna move Nolan Jones to the outfield. Uh, I think they're gonna have no choice, but he's gonna either have to. Uh, go outfield because I mean he's blocked by Jose Ramirez and I don't think Nolan Jones can play short so I think he's just gonna be stuck in the minors for a little bit longer but uh, like the team we we're talking about earlier the Padres got Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, they got Clevenger at the end of last year I mean they went all out I mean they gave the Rays a couple prospects I mean they the Rays got Francisco Meja catcher he's a little sh they his problem is they think he's a little too small to be like an everyday catcher but I mean he can hit pretty well they got Luis uh, uh, Patino, who is was the haul, I guess, that the Rays were excited to get back for Snell. But once again, this just proves the Rays' owner. I mean, you just went to the World Series. Blake Snell was your best pitcher, and they didn't want to pay him his $8 million, so they got rid of him. I mean, the Rays usually know what they're doing. I mean, they are a small market team that did make it to the World Series. But my feeling is, if your team is poised or you made it to the World Series, Eventually, no matter how small of a market you are, you got to eventually go all in. I mean, find a way to get money. Sell part of the team. I mean, do something. I mean, you're that close. You don't just every year going to be able to get back to the playoffs. Every year going to be able to get back to the World Series. When you're there and you have your window, go get it. Especially with them having Wander Franco. He's about to be called up this year. Uh, I really hope he gets called up this year at least. Uh, another trade is the Nationals getting Josh Bell. I think this is big not only for the Nationals, but Juan Soto. Uh, they can't pitch around him that much anymore with Josh Bell hitting behind him. As long as Josh Bell becomes 
the hitter he was a couple years ago. He struggled last year, but I think he has a chance to be a, an above-average first baseman. I think this trade was basically just to get protection for Juan Soto. Um, I think it's kind of like Bryce Harper a couple years ago where you were able to pitch around him, and he was getting frustrated. He was swinging. His average is low. He was tired of taking walks. Um, I don't think Juan Soto is going to do that. I think he had like a more patient approach, but I really do think this will help Juan Soto see a couple more fastballs, maybe get his pitch uh, a couple more times, and hopefully he can make the, the pitcher pay for that. So now we're going to talk about um, the best odds to win it all. This was uh, an actual from from Vegas here. They had the Dodgers as the favorites to win it because personally, I mean, we all know that lineup and that rotation. Bauer, Kershaw, Bueller, Price, May. I mean, one through five. I mean, Price used to be the ace on the Red Sox. I mean, Dustin May in a couple of years could be the ace for any team. But, it, I mean, that rotation... The Dodgers have no choice but to win, I think, 110, 115 games. I mean, they have a chance to go for the record, I really feel like. I mean, I know it shortened uh, a season a little bit, but I really do think the Dodgers have a chance to go back-to-back here. The Yankees, they have the best odds to win it all, but they're my most overrated team, I think, for this year, just because my concerns with the health of that starting rotation. Kluber, he was hurt didn't pitch much. Italian coming off, I believe he had Tommy John surgery, so he didn't pitch at all. Luis Severino's had his fair share of injuries. I mean, if let's say two of those guys get hurt, are the, did, the, did the Yankees have what it takes to have the depth in their farm system to replace those guys? Even Jordan Montgomery is going to be in the rotation, and he's been hurt a couple times. I mean, the health of that rotation, if they stay healthy, yeah. But what are the chances all five of them are going to stay healthy? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I, I think they're going to they might have too many injuries. I mean, that's been their problem for the last couple of years. Starting rotation is going to get hurt, I feel like. Uh, I feel like someone in that lineup, maybe Judge, you know, he pulls a hamstring. Now, is that lineup as good as it, as it, as it any other team in the MLB? Yeah. But I don't know. I think they're going to run the same problem they've been having in the, in the playoffs where just great pitching is just going to dominate their lineup. And then the Padres are third. I love what the Padres did. They're like, you know what, even if we don't win the World Series, no one can say we didn't try. They got out, got Snell, you Darvish. Like we said, Clevenger, I mean, he's going to miss the whole year. But still, at least they were trying. Um, and then the White Sox. This is going to be my, I want to say, sleeper team because they had the four best odds to win it all. But I really like what they did. They added Lance Lynn to the starting rotation. Now they have Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, and Michael Kopich. Uh, that's going to be their starting five. Um... A couple of those guys had control problems, walked too many guys, but I think the veteran presence with Keiko and Lance Lynn and the rotation is going to help stabilize that. I mean, that lineup with the that they have is, I think, can compete with anybody in the AL. I mean, that the White Sox, I feel like, don't have any excuses anymore not to be good. They even went out and signed Liam Hendricks as their closer. He's been solid last couple of years. The White Sox definitely should win the AL Central. I think they should win the AL. They're actually my favorite to win the AL. I don't think, I don't think the the White Sox like I said. I think they run out of excuses not to not to be good. And then another sleeper team I have is the Angels. They went out, got Jose Iglesias. Guess they lost Simmons, but I think Iglesias can hit a little better than him. And then they did get a new closer, Rasiel Iglesias. Now he has all the stuff I feel like to be a closer. His problem is he hasn't put it all together yet. But I think in LA he has a chance if he is a shutdown closer. We don't know how great that lineup is with Trout. And Rendon, I mean, and 
a Joe Adele does come up. I mean, the Angels, I feel like, are a sleeper team. They still have a couple holes, so maybe a wild card spot. But any, te- any team that has Mike Trout, you have a chance. I mean, he, he's just that good that any team he's on is going to have a chance. Now, my team I'm most excited about, not for this year, but for next year, is going to be uh, the Seattle Mariners. They have so many good prospects that are about to get that are about to get called up, and Jared Klinik, Julio Rodriguez to go along with Kyle Lewis. Uh, the future is bright for them. I think the Seattle Mariners in the next couple years could be a team that makes a, a lot of noise, and they can actually compete uh, with any of the teams pretty soon. Not right now, but in the future. Um, now we're going to talk about some impact prospects I think are going to get called up and make immediate impacts for their teams. Number one is going to be Adley Rutschman for the Orioles catcher number one overall pick a couple years ago I feel like the Orioles don't have a choice but to call him up because he was a college college uh drafty I would say so he was already came out about 22 years old 21 years old he's spent a couple years in the minors it's time for him to come up uh, rush him through the minors get him to the MLB let's see what he can do uh he that lineup is not strong so anybody they can bring up is going to help him out number two Wander Franco I believe he's going to get called up this year as number one overall prospect. Uh, he hit 336 in the minors, and then he had 83 walks and 54 Ks, which means he walks more than he even strikes out. Uh, when I saw that, it was unbelievable to me. Uh, his eye discipline, his, his the way he's able to lay off tough pitches, I was, I was watching some videos on that too. But hitting 336 in the minors when he comes up, I mean, you can put him leadoff, three-hole. Either way, I think he's going to be one of the premier contact hitters. Uh, for years to come out. I don't think he's going to be hitting like 35 homers, 40 homers, even 25 homers, but about 20 homers. He hits, what, 290, 300? I mean, that's exactly what the Rays need down there. And three, Jerry Klinik. Uh, the Seattle Rangers are going to call him up this year. I don't think there's any way they don't. He's a potential five-tool player. Uh, he can hit for contact, power, play defense. He can run. Yeah, I mean, he's got the arm to play uh, any position in the outfield, really. I mean, I think they're going to play him in center field. Uh, he's the prospect I'm most excited about to see just because he, he was so exciting to watch his highlight tape of him in the minors. Uh, I think he can come up, make an immediate impact. He can steal 20 bases, hit 20 home runs. I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited to see him play in the majors. Uh, what I want to do here is dive into one of the offseason trades, which is... Uh, going to be my last thought here for this episode one it's going to be the Frankie Lindor trade to the Mets okay we're going to take Carlos Carrasco out of it we're just going to focus on Frankie Lindor and why I think the Indians made the right decision not to pay him 30 million dollars um one because he's a career 285 hitter okay not bad above average all right he did hit a lot of home runs but my thing is game on line two outs bases loaded who do I want to hit? Who do I want to count on to win that game for me? It for sure was not Frankie Lindor. I would have rather had Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana taking that at bat. Alright? Everybody can get mad. Oh, he's face of the Indians. Oh, he's a gold glove shortstop. Okay. Is that worth $30 million? Is a career 285 hitter worth $30 million? And he had a bad leadoff. They couldn't even put him in the three-hole. Why? Because he, he couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. Let's let's take a look, all right? He hit 169 last year with runners in scoring position. You think that's bad? That was 11th on the team. Is $30 million for 169 in runners in scoring position worth it? No, not at all. 
Now you're like, oh, he, he must have not had a lot of chances. Actually, he had the most chances on the team last year with runners in scoring position. And he hit 169. All right? The only stat that should matter is how many people, what you're hitting with runners in scoring position, all right? I could care less if you hit solo home runs. Solo home runs are not going to win that many games unless you're pairing them together. You need to hit about three or four solo home runs in a game. What actually wins games is keeping it moving, all right? Runners in scoring position, let's drive them in. Hit a sack fly somewhere, all right? So we're like, okay, Frankie Lindor, he just had a, ba- he just had a bad 2020 season, right? Let's go 2019. He hit 202. Oh, you're like, oh, that's better. 15th on the team in 2019. All right. 2018. He was 10th on the team. All right. So that's that's 2020, 2019, 2018. And he wants $30 million a year. And the Indians are already a small market. So let's not just say, oh, the Indians don't have money. I mean, are the owners cheap? Yeah. But is Frankie Lindor worth $30 million? No, he is not. All right. Let's go even farther back. All right. The only year he was top 10. It will even take top five with runners in scoring position in 2017. He hit 277. All right. 277. I mean, he's not even hitting 290 with runners in scoring position. I mean, what is going on? I don't know if it's because he's trying to hit a home run every single at bat. I don't know if he's just, he strikes out so much. I mean, I don't know. We'll go back to his rookie year, 2016. 244, 12th on the team. You go 12th on the team, okay, yeah, he's room to improve. Oh, wow, he goes up to 5th. Okay, good job, Frankie. Back down to 10th. Bring it back up to the 19th. 15th on the team. I mean, there's not, I don't think there could be a single Indians fan that could tell me, yeah, basically, I feel, I feel so confident with Frankie Lindor hitting that I would choose him 10 out of 10 times. I honestly would rather have Jose Ramirez hitting with the game on the line. Or even Santana. You want to know, want to know why Santana works the count? He'll get a 3-2 count every single time. I mean, I don't know if that guy swings at a first pitch one time in his entire life. He's working the count. But there's all these things that go into trades. Like, Nolan Arenado, the team thought he's going to opt out. Okay, we're going to trade him. Let's just get what we can back. The Indians got two of the Mets' top 10 prospects, a 22-year-old infielder, and a replacement shortstop. For someone who wanted $30 million, probably $30-plus million. Was he a premier shortstop in the MLB? Sure. Was he great on defense? Absolutely. But it has to be frustrating knowing that he had a bad leadoff. One, because he wanted to see more fastballs. Okay, I don't blame him for that. But two, he can't hit with runners in scoring position. He can hit 30 home runs all he wants. They're all solo home runs. You cannot win that many ball games hitting solo home runs unless he's hitting a solo home run, Jose Ramirez hitting a solo home run, Carlos Santana, Fermil Reyes, unless they're all hitting them in the same game. It's hard to win a game 1-0 with solo home runs. Frankie Lindor, let's say he even gets, he bats 280. Okay, you bat 280. There's. Do you know how many more runs Indians could have scored because Frankie gets a hit, all right? Then you get to Jose Ramirez getting a hit. Cesar Hernandez getting a hit. And it keeps going. I can't stand it. And I I live in Cleveland. I mean, I heard on the radio people can't believe that Frankie Lindor got traded. 
Damien's owners are cheap. I think it was the best move they could have made. They could have hand-tied themselves to Frankie Lindor for $30 million. Instead, okay, they don't pay him $30 million. They get a couple prospects. They didn't handcuff themselves to someone who, who can't come up clutch. Now, you could look back. Did he hit that grand slam in the playoffs? Sure. Did he give us all these highlights in the playoffs? Sure. You can take from 2016 to 2020. All right? That's five years. He was not first, second, third, or fourth on the team with hitting runners in scoring position. I didn't even, I don't, I didn't even look to see how many attempts he had in those years. Because I already know, him batting in top three lines, he for sure had the most opportunities. Or at least one of the opportunities. I know last year he had the, he was tied with the most opportunities on the team. I mean, I just, I'm just curious what your guys' comments are on this. I mean, we're going to talk about it in the next episode. I'm always going to have, at the end of each episode, one one take that I think, personally, I feel strong about. Could it be, could someone argue against it? Sure. No matter what you tell me, how many gold gloves he has, no matter how great he is for the city of Cleveland, no matter how much you think he's worth $30 million, just think, game on the line, let's just say, two outs, guy at second and third, to win the game. Who do you trust more? Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor. And if you say Frankie Lindor, I don't know what to say to you. I, I just need you to reconsider, just think about it. Because all the times you've watched, who always comes up clutch? Jose Ramirez. Who's always working the count? Carlos Santana. That's going to be it for episode one here at Bleacher Talk. Uh, this is Mark. Uh, we're going to be doing weekly podcast. Uh, throughout the MLB season, always keeping up with the top, the new things that are happening, the top things that are happening, prospects, power rankings, hot and cold of the week. So just stay tuned, and this will be uh, posted on Spotify and uh, anywhere else where I can put this. So just let me know what you think. Thank you.